Hey, thanks for checking out the weekly podcast from Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church. We hope you found this episode to be challenging and encouraging. Now, let's turn our attention to this week's sermon from Pastor Brian Carroll. Today, as we recognize the class of 2020, man, what a, what a way to bring this saga to a close. I don't want to dwell on the difficulty of the last four months, but one thing's for sure, nobody saw any of this coming when you guys entered kindergarten. Uh, nobody really saw this coming when you entered your first day as a, you went to your high school as a, as a freshman. Can you say freshman anymore or is it fresh person? What's the, what's the, what's the correct thing here? As a fresh person. Uh, but this is the hand that you've been dealt and I hope that you're going to rise to the occasion and and be strengthened as a result of the sacrifices that you've made. One day you're going to look at these hardships and you're going to say these are character-defining moments. And God will use these character-defining moments to do great things in your life. That being said, I did hear it uh, say that you guys were born during the year of the September 11th terrorist attacks. You are graduating high school the year of the pandemic and the Saharan dust storm. I don't think we should minimize that. Um, so at this point, what I'm really hoping for is that you guys will, uh, will kind of keep your major accomplishments more spread out because I'm not sure what happens when if y'all all got married in the same year and graduated college in the same year and all those sort of things. So try to keep those things spread out going forward. We are talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Specifically, we are dealing with the Beatitudes. Now, remember, the Beatitudes start with the word blessed. Last week, we talked about blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Remember that word is blessed. It's not happy, as some have suggested. Happiness is so very much tied to our circumstances. Being blessed, however, doesn't change with the weather. Blessed means approved. When we seek God's blessing, we are asking for his approval, which is more than just a, a pat on the back, a, a well wish from the Almighty. And so Jesus here gives us this list of characteristics in the Sermon on the Mount that have blessings attached to them. Those who are poor in spirit are blessed in that they receive the kingdom. Those who mourn are blessed in that they, are, they receive divine comfort. So everybody wants to be blessed, right? I've never met anybody that says, I don't want to be blessed. Everybody wants to be blessed. So as a result, then the Beatitudes represent a good, a good set of attitudes for us to hide within our hearts. So this morning, we are going to press on through, uh, through the next Beatitude. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. It's real short. I'm not going to ask you to stand because as soon as you stand, it'll be over and you'll have to sit back down. But it's real short. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I had noble aspirations to cover more than this one this morning, and as I started digging around in the idea of meekness, I realized that I probably needed to spend several weeks on meekness instead of just a portion of one sermon. And let's pray together as we consider this idea of meekness. God, I want to thank you for this challenge on our lives that in order to be blessed, we ought to be meek. And so, God, in a world that doesn't embrace meekness, may we as the church represent a difference, a clear difference, a clear distinction 
from the world around us. Lord, we are grateful for those here today and those watching online. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Meek is not a word that we hear much anymore. In fact, if you were to just go around the room and ask for a definition of meekness, it may be a word that's actually kind of hard for you to, to kind of pin down. You might open your phone and go to dictionary.com or something and try to see what the, the official dictionary definition of the word meekness is. I found that one of the best ways to understand a word uh, and understand the definition of a word is to understand what the word does not mean. If you can rule out what it doesn't mean, then it helps you to narrow down what it does mean. I, I love what D.A. Carson said about meekness. He said, meekness is not, as many people imagine, a weakness. It must not be confused with being wishy-washy. A meek person is not necessarily indecisive or timid. He is not so unsure of himself that he could be pushed over by a hard slap from a wet noodle. Still less is meekness to be confused with mere affability, which is kindness. Some people are just naturally nice and easygoing. But then again, so are some dogs. Meekness goes much deeper. Last week, we talked about the fact that, that being poor in spirit has to do with one's assessment of oneself in light of clear and present spiritual realities. I am sinful by nature and sinful by choice, and God is holy, and therefore I have to come to some conclusion about myself. I have to come to the conclusion that there is not enough might or merit in my life to reach any level of spiritual accomplishment because I am poor in spirit. That is the intellectual component of that, of that idea. And a consequence of being poor in spirit is that I should find myself absolutely broken by that reality, which results in grief or mourning. That is the emotional component of, this, of, the, of the, the idea here. So to continue that notion then, meekness becomes the relational component of the Beatitudes. Meekness is how we relate to God and how we ought to relate to one another. Meekness should be a natural consequence of our poverty in spirit and mourning my sin. Meekness is acknowledging who I am in the reality of these things and acknowledging what my relationship to others and to God looks like in light of these realities. And so I should find myself as a Christian seeking to be blessed by God, who seeks to be poor in spirit, who seeks to mourn my sin. I should find myself relating to both God God and to man with meekness. What does meekness say in our lives? What does meekness say in our lives? If you want to know what meekness looks like, what does it speak into your life? The first thing it says into our lives is that we are not the center of our universe. That is one of the most countercultural statements that can be made in this day and time. We are not the center of our universe. 
One of the most famous lines in Christian writing in our time comes from the opening line of Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life. And you probably know that quote. You may not be able to quote many lines out of a book, but you probably know the first line out of Purpose Driven Life. What is it? It's not about you. It's not about you. I'd be willing to bet that that line was underlined more in the book than it wasn't underlined. What's odd about that statement is that it seems to be so re- it seemed to be so revolutionary at the time. It's not about you. It's it's not the center. You're not the center of your universe. What a revolutionary revolutionarily simple idea, but it's profound at the same time. It's not about you. Back in the late 1600s, a document was published that that outside of the Bible provided the foundation of the theology of the English-speaking church, known as the the Westminster Shorter Catechism. That document was designed to, to help teach children the foundations of the faith. If you don't know what a catechism is, it's a great tool. I don't know why we don't use it in the modern church. A catechism is a is a is a type of question and answer where a question is asked and then the the person learning is then to have a a standard answer. It's memorized. And what's great about it is that everybody knows the same answer. And so there's no no question about what what the truth is. It's based in Scripture. Well, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, the very first question asks this, what is the chief end of man? Meaning, what is man's ultimate purpose, man's ultimate goal? What is the chief end of man? Well, the answer is simply this. Man's chief end, the primary goal, the number one job of mankind is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Think about that for for just a second. Man's chief end, meaning what am I created for? What is my purpose? What What is my goal in life? Man's chief end is not to have a a big family or retire wealthy with a beach house. It's okay if you retire wealthy. It's okay if you've got a big family. Man's chief end isn't to climb the corporate ladder starting in the mailroom and working yourself up to the CEO position. If you've done that, that's fine. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. But man's chief end really isn't about man at all. Man's chief end isn't about me and my accomplishments and my goals. Man's chief end is about the Almighty Creator and and having a right relationship with Him. Man's chief end isn't about man at all. It's about God. Yet everything in our world measures our success in terms of personal accomplishment, not personal meekness. Yet meekness has no choice but to acknowledge this simple fact. I am not the center of my universe. A second thing meekness declares in our lives is this. The other person matters. The first statement, I am not the center of my universe. The second statement, the other person matters. Now, think about that for a minute. We've been in this debate for quite some time now. Black lives matter. Cop lives matter. All lives matter. And you can make arguments and points for any of those statements that you like. I believe each and every single one of them. Uh, 
However, if we approach this conversation from a point of meekness, we might simply say this, the other person matters. The other person matters. What if instead of lumping everybody into categories based on color and creed, what if instead of approaching our life that way, we actually just saw folks as individual men and women created in the image and likeness of God? Funny thing, that's exactly how we're, what we are. What if we saw folks just as men and women created in the image and likeness of God. Not black, not white, not a cop, not, not a cop, not a civilian. What if we didn't see people that way and we saw people for how God intended them to be as men and women created in his image and likeness? Meekness forces us to look at other people and say, you know what, you matter. You look around and, and you see other people. You have to recognize that they matter because they are created in the image of God. They are important. Their thoughts, their dreams, their attitudes, their fears. Guess what? They matter as much as yours do. They matter as much as yours do. You're, everybody's entitled to their opinions, right? I mean, we, we, that's something we celebrated. We got an opinion. I got a thought about this. Your thought's valid. Well, so's your neighbors. So's that other person. They matter. Meekness forces me to acknowledge that you are created in the image and likeness of God. Meekness forces me to recognize that your sin and my sin are equally damning. And they'll send us both to hell just as quick as could be. Meekness causes me to realize that we are all in a sinking ship with only one real potential source of rescue, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all in the same situation. You know, if we would approach every aspect of our life with that in mind, it would revolutionize our churches, it would revolutionize our communities. Absolutely. If I can speak to our graduates for just a moment, I want to offer you an apology. We've let you grow up in a world where everybody gets a trophy. We cared so very much about your feelings that we failed to miss what we were actually doing. And what we've done is we've created a culture as a whole that cares about, or that instead of caring about each other, We've created a culture that cares about self first. Go into a bookstore. That's a place that actually sell books. You can buy physical paper copies of books. Go into a bookstore and, and look at the, the self-help section. And you will find that that, set of, that that part of the bookstore contains shelves and shelves and shelves and row and row and row of books that are, defined, that are, that are designed to, to help you help yourself. But what you won't find at a bookstore, interestingly enough, is shelf after shelf after shelf called helping your neighbor. All sorts of ways to help yourself, but very little to help you help your neighbor. We've created a culture where meekness is replaced by self-centeredness. 
where self-esteem is more important than love for neighbor, where entitlement has replaced the virtue of hard work. I can challenge you as you enter the real world today, you've probably got some big ideas, some big goals. Dr. Seuss said it this way, you have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own and you know what you know. And you are the one who'll decide where to go. It's not very meek. It's very self-centered. Listen, I would much rather you as a graduate today. I would much rather you inherit the earth due to your meekness than for you to take the world by your accomplishments. Your accomplishments will speak for themselves. They will earn you much in this life. But it is your meekness that best prepares your heart for the next. And that's not the lesson we've taught you. And for that, I'm truly sorry. How do you know if you lack meekness? You say, Pastor, I, I like this idea of meekness. I, I certainly like the, the offer, right, to inherit the earth. It's a pretty good inheritance. How do I know if I lack meekness? Well, it's pretty simple. You look in a mirror and you have to ask yourself some questions. For example, if you are more concerned with justifying yourself than you are with edifying your brother or sister, then you lack meekness. If you find that getting your way is the most important thing to you, then you lack meekness. If you find that you are harsh and hateful with people with whom you disagree, you lack meekness. If you are known as someone with a short fuse, a bad temper, and you don't work to control it, you just let it go, you lack meekness. Because you'll notice all those things are about me, my way, my desires, my wants, my attitudes, my opinions. And they're far less concerned with the opinions, attitudes, and mindset of my neighbor. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Think about that for a moment. Inheriting the earth through your meekness. Well, man, that's a, that's a huge contradiction to the materialism of this age. Our world says, grab all you can, while you can, be the first in line. We see it on our news channels. We see it played out over and over again, whether it's the Walmart line at Black Friday with people being trampled to get in the store or whether it's somebody rolling a cart of flat-screen televisions out of a looted Target. We see this on an ongoing basis where, where we have conveyed to a world that, that what matters is that you get your way, you get your stuff, you get it first. Everybody else can get the leftovers. Let me through the line first. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek person says, I don't need to be first. 
I don't need to get mine. Why? I can be content today because I understand the abundance of the inheritance that's waiting on me tomorrow. We, we have the hope of this wonderful satisfaction that we will have in the new earth when we inherit the earth. And, and this wonderful satisfaction that one day those who are in Christ will reign with Jesus over this new earth. But I think meekness also enhances our earthly existence. How so? One of the world's wealthiest men was once asked, how much is enough money? It's an interesting question particularly going to somebody who had more than any of us could ever imagine. How much is enough money? You know what he said? He didn't say, I'm good. I've got too much. He said, just a little bit more. Think about that. To have as much money as uh, one of the richest people in the world, to have more wealth than, than entire groups of people lumped together. To, to have that, that amount of stuff... To literally own everything, yet never be satisfied. Just a little bit more. You see, the meek understand that there's a time to come when they will inherit the earth. And because we are content in that regard... We are freed from the awful nagging, that awful feeling of just a little bit more. So how do you pursue meekness? Well, first we need to acknowledge that it's not natural. Uh, natural is you fight for what's yours. You go first. You get the most. That's natural. We need to acknowledge that meekness is a grace of God, so we have to cast ourselves upon the Lord. We have to ask Him in prayer that He would grant us a spirit of meekness. And so if you find that you lack meekness, the first place to find it is on your knees. Secondly, we need to yoke ourselves to Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we need to yoke ourselves to Jesus, bind ourselves. If you think about a, a set of oxen that are yoked together, that's what we're talking about, being bound together so that you're walking in lockstep with the one that's next to you. Finally, we need to recognize the progression that we see here. Poverty of spirit ought to lead to mourning our sin, which ought to lead to meekness. Meekness forces me to see myself differently than the world would have me see myself. Meekness progresses out of poverty of spirit and mourning. The true test of meekness is simple. It's not whether we can say, you know what, I'm a poor sinner. The true test of meekness is how do you respond when somebody else looks at you and says you're a poor sinner. That's the true test of meekness. If you acknowledge the truth of that statement, then it's a good indicator that you are pursuing meekness. The world would have us be puffed up with pride, amass all kinds of wealth and possessions, but meekness calls us to amass something very different. So if you lack meekness, walk backwards just a little bit. It could also be that you have failed to mourn for your sin. It could be that you lack poverty of spirit. But for those who recognize their place in God's economy, who understand that meekness is the only appropriate response... 
Well, what do you do with that? Well, you come back next week for the next beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. In a mean, self-centered world, we need awakening of Christians who understand the blessing of meekness. Meek doesn't mean that we don't confront, but it does define how we confront. We speak truth, but we speak it in love. When we are dealing with a depraved world, we need to recognize that if it were not for the grace of God, there we would go as well. We need an awakening of churches who recognize that it's more important for us to win hearts and minds than it is for us to get our way and prove our points. We need an awakening of, uh, of saints who, who, like Abraham, let their nephew take the best land, the better pasture land, who, who like John the Baptist, recognize that, that we're not even worthy to untie the shoes of Jesus. We need an awakening of meekness in our world today. So how are you doing today as you seek after meekness? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. God, we thank you for the promise of Scripture, the blessing of meekness. We pray, God, that you will help us to pursue meekness, to understand that it is in that meekness that we find our inheritance. Lord, we live in a world that's not very kind. May we as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ change that story and, God, be a, be a people known for our kindness and for our meekness. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like more information about Chattanooga Valley Baptist, check us out on the web at cvbchurch.org. If you would like to join in person, we worship every Sunday morning at 1045. We're just minutes from downtown Chattanooga. We hope to see you soon.